How are you, sir? This is Peter. Oh. I can't believe I'm talking to you, Dr. Ray the Great. Oh, I don't know about that. I love listening to you. You have a personality just like my father. I don't think you should feel helpless. You are helpless. Doctor, I really appreciate that. That makes me feel a lot better. You be at peace, or else I'm going to yell at you. Trying to find a reason to speak to you. I think you're the best thing since plays bread. That Ray, he's something. Thank you so much for what you're doing for all the parents out there. They don't know what I can possibly do. I don't either. I'm getting my money worth, I think, at this phone call. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. I get really nervous about that particular one that Andrew puts in there. I'm getting my money's worth with this phone call. Well, I'm assuming she didn't pay anything for this phone call. Zero. So the phone call, assuming the phone call meant my answer, was worthless. Worthless. Because it didn't cost a thing. She, she got her money's worth. My wife says I overanalyze. I'll have to think about that. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. This version of The Doctor Is In. Sorry, sorry. This variant of The Doctor Is In, trying to keep up with the language, is Look Back Friday, where we take previous calls edited to the capable acumen of Andrew Kruchek, my producer man, and very bored operator. I said, Andrew, why, why are you the board operator? He says, well, if your show would be a little more interesting, I wouldn't be so bored. I said, okay. Board operator there in Ave Maria Radio Communications. Take the calls. He edits them. Gets, gets rid of my, my persiflage at the beginning of the call. I know. Where do I get those words? Uh, I subscribe to something called Word Genius. It's really cool. Um, they give you... Maybe ten words, plus a lot of neat stuff regarding grammar and uh, literary expression. You know, if you're a writer, you got to have that stuff. And you can't really use those words. You can't use a word like persiflage in an article. Uh, you could if you're trying to look fluffy. But, in fact, I learned a lot of new words. And I, I sent that uh, link off to one of my dear friends and my boss, certainly, Doug Keck the chief operating officer at EWTN. And uh, he and his son, Matty Boy, uh, enjoy going over those vocabulary words. So here and there, I, and, they, and they repeat them so that you ultimately link them in. For example, canorous. Now, that's, that's not a word you heard, but you know what it means? It means uh, sweet-sounding, good-sounding. So I try on this program to have a fair amount of uh, canorous verbalizations. Nobody ever would use that word. You probably never heard it anywhere. I never have. But they make it sound like it's a common vocabulary word. Peter came up to Jesus and said, How many times should I forgive my brother? Now, back in those days, they weren't really worried about sensitive language. Brother, in that in that language, in the Greek, it was, it was used to mean anyone. It was just a word. Okay, but now we're also sensitive. How, how many times should I forgive my sibling? How many times should I forgive another people person? Peter said, seven times? 
Now, you got to speculate a little bit that Peter had been traveling with our Lord, and the standard three strikes and you're out among the rabbis was you forgive them three times, and then that's enough. They're not, they're not learning their lesson. But Peter knew our Lord was much more merciful. So he said, seven times? Kind of maybe his way of saying, Lord, I'm learning. I'm listening to what you're saying about forgiveness here. You got, you're two and a third times more than standard rabbinical teaching. I'm with you. Well, our Lord looked at Peter, and you all know what he said back. Seventy times seven. Now, seven, of course, is a number of completeness in Scripture. Seventy times seven, which is literally 490. But in fact, our Lord was saying, always, completely. Whoa! And that's a bruiser, isn't it? I mean, to have to forgive somebody, even your obnoxious mother-in-law? Come on. Your daughter-in-law who's written you out of her life and won't let you see the grandkids? I mean, what? wait a minute. I mean, I could forgive her every day because I haven't seen the grandkids for two and a half years. I needed a loophole. I needed to find a way that I would not have to forgive completely. Seventy times seven. I mean, it'd be one thing to say, all right, I get my 490 in, I'm done. I don't have to forgive after that. That's easy enough. No, it's completely. So as long as it's completely, i got to figure out a way to not forgive as much as I think I should have to. And I got it. Matter of fact, using my loophole, I would estimate that I probably have to forgive somebody. Mm, maybe half the time. Maybe. Maybe even less. How is that? Well, let me have an illustration here. <clears throat> when the kids were little, at one point we had 12 kids, or 10 kids under 12. My wife was understandably nervous about leaving me in charge. I'd say things like, well, they, they need fed? When? What? Well, how often do you have to change that diaper? That diaper says good up to 14 pounds. There's no way there's 14 pounds in there. So she was understandably nervous about leaving me alone unsupervised. But at that time, my daughter was 10, and typically Hannah was assigned to watch me. So one particular night that she had to go out, uh, she told me her mom's coming over. And I thought to myself, why? why? Why would your mom need to come over? I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm doing things here. So I met her in the bedroom. And I said, uh, honey, what do you, what do you, what's here? You know, this makes me look bad. It makes me look inept as a father. And she said, Ray, um, I think you're one of the children who, who needs supervision. Now, there's no argument there. That's true. That's what she said is true. But I was feeling like I was thrown under the bus. Mom, you better come over because Ray's here by himself watching the children, and I, I just don't think that he can pull it off, even with Hannah watching him. By the way, Hanny is a major in the Army right now, and she's a JAG lawyer. Wouldn't you know it? So, 
She said to me, Ray, that was not my intent at all. My intent was to give you time to work on your book uninterrupted, because I know that we have a hard time getting uninterrupted time when you've got that many kids, to give you some uninterrupted time while I'm out. Mom will watch the kids, and you can write. Oh, yeah, okay. Like that's supposed to make you feel better. And I realized I was getting myself upset. However, I was also getting myself ready to forgive. Upset, forgive. The thought process went something like this. She had a behavior. I took offense. I got ready to forgive. And then I found out there was nothing to forgive. Here I was, all ready to be magnanimous and holy and overlook it and shrug it off. When in fact, there was nothing to forgive. She didn't do anything wrong. It was in my mind. However, temporarily, it was in my mind that she did wrong. In reality, there was no offense. And I got to thinking, I mean, I thought about this before that, but that kind of brought it home to me again. I need to be reminded a lot to look at myself. I got to thinking, how many times do I do that? How many times do I misread motives? And you know we all do it. We read motives, and motives are really tough to read. Very tough to read. We read motives... We become offended or hurt or upset or angry because of what we think the motive was. They did this to do this to me. And then we find out later that was not at all the reason. The reason was something either benign or, in my wife's case, actually charitable. There was nothing to forgive. And I always ask myself that question. If I'm going to upset myself over what somebody says or does, make sure that in fact it was forgiveness worthy. Much of the time it wasn't. Because much of the time there was no wrong done. The wrong was in my head. Hanging in psychological midair. Not grounded in anything so, if you want to forgive less, become more attuned to whether or not there is actually something to forgive, or did you concoct something to forgive, and then you felt pretty good about yourself for forgiving Dr. Ray. Now, wait a second. Let's talk this over. Today's programming on 990 WDEO is brought to you in part by a gift from our day sponsor, the Hornacek family, who would like to honor their beloved father, grandfather, and great-grandfather, Robert Hornacek, on the 14th anniversary of his going home to the Lord. Thank you for your love, dedication, and hard work for your family and friends. We are praying for you, and we know that you're praying for us. We love you and miss you, Robert Martin Hornacek. 
Welcome to our Advanced Dentistry Center family. This is Dr. Metti and our team strives to treat you like family in a loving and compassionate way as we focus on serving you in a Christ-like manner. We do this by emphasizing prevention and general well-being for a lifetime. Our private practice is small, personal, state-of-the-art, and innovative with the goal to educate and motivate our patients in improving their oral health. It is through a partnership with you that you will achieve the goals for your smile. Advanced Dentistry is serious about the level of care we provide with attention to details and an exceptional level of care, skill, and judgment. We are thrilled for the opportunity to serve you. Dr. Matty and the team invite you to visit them at AdvancedDentistryCenter.com or call them at 248-594-9592. That's 248-594-9592. AdvancedDentistryCenter.com Catholic Charities of Shiawassee and Genesee Counties have been providing health and creating hope since 1941. It's the generosity of donors that allows them to provide necessary services such as their warming center, which provides refuge and comfort to thousands in our community. They also offer hot meals in their soup kitchens and help families make ends meet in their community closet. Even the smallest donation makes a meaningful difference. Join us in their mission by giving a donation at catholiccharitiesflint.org. Thank you for joining me here. Boldly going where no brain has gone before. The doctor is in. I'm Dr. Rigoretti. Not a real doctor. Can't give shots. Remember how disappointed my kindergarten son was. Dad, why do they call you that? Why do they call me what, Andrew? Doctor. Well, because um, I went to school and I have a degree. Yeah, but but you you can't give shots, can you? No. Well, then you're not a real doctor. You shouldn't tell people you're a doctor if you're not a real doctor. Well, Andrew, I'm I'm not I'm not that kind of a doctor. There's different ways of calling somebody a doctor. And I tried to explain it and I was getting further and further behind and that is when my future lawyer daughter stepped in. Let me defend you on this one, dad. Andrew, it has come to our attention from a recent deposition, and then I just let her take it from there, and I, I went down and sipped a Diet Coke. Look back Friday, Ellen from Ohio has a very sadly, tragically common situation, intergenerational situation, seeing so, so much of this these days, and... Oh, sadly, it's generally between, much more often, between moms and daughters or mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws. I have an only daughter that I raised pretty much um, on my own with a little help. And she's an adult now. She has two children. And she kind of uses them, my grandchildren, uh, as a weapon against me whenever I do something she doesn't like. What do you do that Such she as, doesn't like? Uh, this last time I sent like a card to her in-laws because they're having problems with it. Well, the, the grandfather is having health issues and I just sent a, a card saying, 
I'm sorry, I'm praying for you. And she found out about it. And she, That's awful. <laughs> well, Ellen, I know. can't believe you did that. I don't either. So what you're saying is it's hard to gauge when she's going to get mad at you for what? Anything. Anything. The most benign, the most kind thing, if she doesn't approve of the motive or the conduct, how long does she stay mad? Well, so far it's been since June since I've seen my grandkids. Does she make it obvious? Does she say, uh, Mom, you're not you're not welcome here? Or does she, does she just disappear and every time you try to contact, there's no, no response? No, she makes it obvious. Ooh. So she'll... she'll attack you first for doing what you supposedly did, how how evil to send a get-well card to somebody. Uh-huh. And then she'll turn around, and how does she soften over time? She just gets over her madness? It waits until she needs me, and then she'll talk to me. And so the first time she contacts you is for a request? Yeah. She won't contact you and say, hey, Mom... You want to take the kids to get ice cream? Uh, that'd be great. Right. How long has this been going on? Oh, gosh, for like a couple of years now. How old are the kids, Ellen? Five, six, and two. She's married, I take it? Yeah. And so her husband just goes along? Right. Otherwise, he gets in trouble, too. When she... Now, you said you raised her by yourself. Does that mean for you there's no husband on the scene? He was there, um, but on the off hours that I was working a second job. Hmm. Is he still around? No, he's not. Okay. So it's just you, and she just punishes you. Yeah. (sighs) Two things. One, please do not second-guess what you do when you think it is a good thing to do. I know you're probably hyper-vigilant now and saying, well, now if I send a card to somebody she doesn't want me to send a card to, that's it. I'm not going to see the kids for three months. Don't do that. If you think it's a good thing to do, do it. If you think she's acting like a brat... um. Something tells me this ain't new. Something tells me she's always been this way, and you guys have butted heads, and she's been kind of bratty about a lot of stuff. Right. Yeah, she's not. You're not going to have somebody turn on mom and say, okay, you sent a card to somebody that I didn't want you to send a card to because I don't like them, and therefore you can't see your grandkids. That's not going to happen at age 38 when you've had a mm-hmm. smooth relationship prior to that. Uh, something tells me your daughter has been unpredictable every step of the way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. If she calls you and she wants help and you think to yourself, okay, I can help her. Or if you think to yourself, no, this is, she completely taking advantage of me. She wants to borrow 200 bucks. But yesterday, she was out shopping all day for things she wanted, and she got her nails done for 75 bucks. Somehow that got back to you. Uh, you say to yourself, uh, this, this, this isn't good. And you're thinking, yeah, but if I don't, if I don't, you won't let me see that grandkids. It sounds like she's going to continue to use the bad kids as, as the grandkids as weapons. So if you're going to get punished,
for things you don't even know what you did, you might as well okay. just make your best judgment on what you want to do with your own life and what requests you want to answer from her. Because it would seem that every request she makes is probably not good to respond to. But you do anyway, because she's blackmailing you. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. Andrew, flag that one. That's a good one. If you look at societal statistics, among young adults, and when you're my age, a young adult is 50, among young adults, the indicators of life distress, depression, divorce, drug use, alcoholism, all manner of personality struggles are off the charts. One of the things you're going to get with that is an intolerance of mom and or dad and the way I was raised. And it's not unusual, I see this in therapy all the time, for somebody who is running their lives poorly. And she said a, she said a significant thing. She said her husband has to go along with her or he'll pay. Got that? Which doesn't speak to how easy she is to live with. As a result, I'm looking for some place to place blame. Mom. Mom or dad. Most of the time it's mom. Because in our culture, even though women work, they are still the majority of the child-raising efforts. And you get these kids who are dissatisfied with life, dissatisfied with themselves, dissatisfied with a lot, whatever it might be. And they turn on their parents. They show very, very limited or, or none tolerance for their parents. And one of the main weapons they use is if there are no kids, they use get out of my life. Or if there are kids, they, they use get out of my life and the kids' lives. That's what they do, which is really cruel. That's a cruel thing to do. I don't know, because I, if I were to talk to Ellen's daughter, she might say things like, yeah, yeah you had to grow up with my mom. You had to know what my mom is like. My mom is, oh, she told you I got mad at her because she sent a card? Ha! That's the least of what she does. Now, I don't doubt I would hear that. I would hear Ellen's daughter saying, all these things that I put up with all these years with my mom, and I'm sick of it. Sick, sick, sick. But, the question becomes, how difficult does a parent have to be for the kid the adult kid, to write them off. I suspect it would be quite difficult. Dr. Ray, there are abusive parents. Yes, there are. But most of these situations that I see, it's a matter of, I don't, <laughs> I don't like my parent. I don't like you. I don't like the things you say. I don't like who you are. I don't like the, your religion. I don't like your politics. I just don't like a whole bunch of stuff about you. That's what m most of these ones I see are. 
And that's because we deal with a pretty select population of parents who listen to Catholic media and who, for the most part, are trying to be faith-filled Catholics and the kids have left the faith. I didn't get to ask Ellen about that, but my guess would be her daughter's not really practicing the faith much anymore. So, in her case, what I think is best for her to do is to watch her mouth. That's the, num- that's the number one complaint I hear from grown kids. I got, I got sick and tired of what my mom was saying, the opinions she's giving, the critiques, whatever it was. That, that seems to be the number one friction point. So, Ellen, be very careful about that. But also, don't guide your behavior by whether your daughter's going to say, Okay, well, four months probation now, Mom. Raising your IQ with every segment. We're working it to get down to with every, with every sentence. And ideally, with every word. That's a, that's a lofty goal, but we're trying. I'm Dr. Ray Grandy. Program here with Doctors in Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock Eastern Time. This particular variant of the program, which Andrew Kruchek, my producer man, has informed me we've been doing for close to 10 years now. I never would have guessed that. My cousin, my cousin that I had the closest relationship to of all the cousins, passed away some years ago. He was uh, seven years older than I am, was. And uh, he used to beat the snot out of me in every game we played. He was just so far above me until, until I beat him in pool about eight years ago. Beat him in pool. Finally beat him in something. But anyway, he used to say this. When somebody asks you how long you've been doing something or when something happened how many years ago, whatever answer you think Double it. I told Andrew, I said, what are we, we've been doing this look back uh, Friday thing for, for about five years. He goes, no, it's ten. Yow. Yow. Okay, so let's get to the question of... Now, this is a bit delicate, so it's not delicate in, in any kind of moral way. It might be considered, perhaps, crude. But it's a it's a young child who is, expresses his discontent non-verbally non-verbally definitely expressed his discontent non-verbally and <clears throat> I, I guess this would be considered uh, his number two problem is this a number one or number two problem actually both all right he's firing he's firing That's all the, the guns both He's firing all the guns. (laughs) What have they done about it? Well, they finally did what I suggested and went up, went out. This was after he actually did both on the carpet. Mm -hmm. And they got, you know, they've been trying to be nice and, you know, be, you know, now you can't do that. Be sweet with them. Well, this time... Mom and Dad got really mad, and Dad went out and got a box of pull-ups. Said, uh-huh. we're putting this on you. And I'm not sure. When he's at our house, he doesn't do it. And we Well, he's just him. not mad at you, that's all, Mary. You just give him everything exactly. he wants. Okay. Exactly. I don't know. Well, and his sister's with us most of the time when he's with us. But um, 
I, I think that's my theory is that it's, you know, mom's apple of her eye. She finally got her little girl and, you know, she, and she's only two. So she needs attention more than he does. So, and actually he'll turn, he'll turn five next month. So, <laughs> so he's been trained for a while. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And he's just decided, mom, you know what I think about the way you're doing things around here? Let me explain it to you. Can you see this exactly. on the carpet? Not too hard to misread. And if you can't see it, you'll know it's there anyway. Part of the problem, exactly. Mary, I think you're... Is this your daughter that's uh, that's his son? Yes. Part yes. of it is she, she may be one of these young parents who wants to be psychologically correct and handle it all so well and reason with him and find out exactly what's causing this. And, yeah, there's a new baby, so therefore he's regressing. And that's what child development people tell you, that when there's a new child in the family, they all just go backward and they start doing things they didn't do before because they're not getting the attention. I know, I know all that theory. And she probably bought into that, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. How do I know these things? I don't even know your daughter I know these things. So, what he's doing is not psychological. What he's doing is saying, I don't like this. Here. There. What do you think of that? Or what do you think of that? Yeah. So, what's happening also is that if she has to give this baby attention, because she has to, okay. Well, other expertise would say, well, make sure that you give more attention to the little boy. Make sure you're not shortchanging him. Okay, I buy into that. That's good. That's cool. But I think she also has to say, if you do this, here's what we're going to do. Now, I would suggest, and you could tell her, and you take the credit for it, I would suggest <laughs> that you tell her that when he does that, for the rest of the day, everything he asks for, she simply says, no, you need to go on the potty. That's simple. Ah, That'll take care okay. of it. That'll clean it up. That'll take the stink out of it. Sigmund Freud reverberates throughout parenting. Freud, of course, had a personality theory. He had a particular therapeutic approach called Freudian psychoanalysis. His personality theory was based upon early developmental stages that he labeled oral anal, sexual, genital, uh, and latent. So, given that Freud's theory isn't practiced all that much anymore in general mental health circles, it still is reverberating. It's got an echo in parenting. And the echo is, Freud, Freud said that the potty training issue was a major developmental issue, and if it was mishandled by the parent, it led to certain adult conflicts, certain adult habits, behaviors, conflicts in the psyche. And Freud was very dominant for a long, long time. Still is. There's still, there's still those therapists who do Freudian psychoanalysis and, and who still look at Freud's psychosexual stages as explanatory. In, in what people do as adults. Now, my guess would be that Mary's kids were not Freudian. They may not even be aware of Freud's theory. Where it reverberates in their parenting is that 
on one hand, if he were defiant, either through maybe a temper tantrum or yelling back, they would see that as normal defiance. But the fact that he, well, he decides to express himself in the way he does, um, <clears throat> is, is perhaps fraught with some more psychological meaning they're not aware of? I've seen this. I've seen this. People people get nervous about potty training. They don't they don't see it necessarily as a structured thing they've got to do and they don't see it as something that the kid can can basically resist and take full advantage of uh, along a behavioral dimension. They see it as having psychological meaning. Why would they do that? Well, it has to be left over Freud. He's the one who filled it with all kinds of psychological meaning. And so as a result, what happened with these parents is that they they attempted to deal with it very uh, gently until they got tired, until they got wiped out. <clears throat> Sorry. And as a result, they got frustrated. And in their frustration, they said, all right, that's it, you're wearing pull-ups. Well, they never even bothered to discipline it. They never bothered to say, you're five years old. This is wrong to smear feces all over the place. It's wrong. It's not a good thing to do. We're going to do something about it. We're going to stop it. So, they finally got to that point. I hope. Either that or Ellen's going to talk to him and Dr. Ray. Thank you for joining me here on The Doctor Is In, Dr. Ray Garendi. Nice, very much, to have the privilege to be here with you. Never would have dreamed it. Back in the days of uh, doing a lot of secular media, I never, ever thought. Well, at that time, there wasn't all that much uh, Catholic media. I never would have thought that I'd have uh, this privilege. This is Look Back Friday a variant typically that we do on Fridays. Every once in a while we'll do a call-in Friday, but look back Friday, uh, and we're going to take uh, the next call. is going to be Mary Ann from New York. Uh, the Typically when somebody develops an anticipatory fear, a phobia of some type, it was brought on by a crisis event. Something happened that really shook them up. And that anxiety, the reverberating effects of that anxiety, continued. It wasn't that I was distressed by what happened at the time that it happened. I am distressed because I'm afraid it will happen again. So let's find out what's going on with Mary Ann. My dear, what is this? Are you still are you still just eating applesauce? No, no, I'm eating a little bit better. I mean, when this happened, it really brought upon me a lot of anxiety along with this fear of choking. So I am eating better now than I was a few weeks ago. Um, I'm learning to distract myself. So while I'm eating, I will read. I'll even get on the Internet and look for things that are of interest to me. So that's helping me. 
Okay. Um, Are you chewing your food up real good? I am. I'm eating slow. I am eating slowly. It's the idea that I just can't get it out of my head. Probably the biggest fear is liquids. Liquids? I eat ice chips. Yeah, I eat ice chips. I can you're, do that. You're, you're afraid of choking on liquids? Yeah. When I was a child, my mother had a fear of choking, and she put this fear into me. Ooh. And for some reason, no, I don't know what happened. It was in my subconscious. It didn't bother me. But for some reason, it's come to light right now. And it's really bothering me. Well, have you had any recent experience of anything like that? Yeah, I did choke. That's why. That's on, why this happened. On what? Um, it was dinner that I was eating. It was a liquid. Well, you didn't choke. Let, let, okay, let, let's do the first thing here, my dear. Let's get your language right. Okay. All right? Okay. okay. Language, language has a lot of influence. You didn't choke. You coughed like crazy. Okay. You went down the wrong pipe. Right. If that if that epiglottis doesn't slap shut, and you take, say, for example, a, a, a breath in, and there's a little confusion in the body's response, some of that goes down into the lungs. Not much, but you can go into a coughing fit like crazy. I did that. Okay. I did that. Uh, I was at mass a couple of days ago, and I burped up something from eating, and I I I had to leave mass. I couldn't stop coughing. Oh, like indigestion? Yeah, yeah. I just walked out, and so they didn't go out. These poor people, especially post-COVID, you know, everybody's so panicky. You know, if you cough, look out. They throw their masks on to get their visor out. <laughs> so I had to leave masks. Yeah. I said to my wife, I said, I'll be back. So I went out, and I coughed and coughed and coughed until it was done. That's what you did. I, well, I'm not a doctor, so I can't say. But liquid, that's what happens to liquid. You cannot physiologically choke on liquid unless... It's a big old ice cube, which is a different state of water. Okay. So let's okay. not call it choking. All right. Now, so the you dis- don't think that I type of help, like counseling or anything like that? Well, you could. The problem with fears is, and you're going to be a look-back call because you, you, you've touched on a lot of how fears form. The problem with fears are is that in your head you create a danger. But there is you're no right. danger. But there is no danger. That's the problem. And as you've noticed, you're able to eat a little better, and nothing bad has happened. And so, uh-huh. inch by inch, or calorie by calorie, you are finding out that my fear of choking is not real. It's in my head, not in my throat, especially with liquids. You call me back, okay. dear, but you don't. You have nothing to fear from liquids other than a coughing jag if it happens. Well, that's not true. I mean, have you tasted some of these liquids? That kale juice that my wife makes—that I, I, makes me choke. Yeah, well, I, uh, it makes me spit it up. A little bit different there. Sorry for those of you eating lunch. She said something significant, and you not being. Psychologically trained, you being a rank amateur, didn't pick up on it. She said, I distract myself. Now you might be thinking, well, that's good. That's what she needs to do. She needs to not focus on the anxiety and distract herself. Well, not really. Because in attempting to distract herself, she is fighting the anxiety. 
It's it's still bothering her. So what she's doing is she's saying, I'm trying not to pay any attention to it. Which in many respects keeps it alive. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it does. What she could do better is to accept the anxiety. What? Why would you accept something that makes you uncomfortable? Because in accepting it, you strip it of its power. If she says to herself, I know that when I eat these soft foods or when I drink this liquid, I'm going to be anxious. Okay. I shall be anxious. In the attempt to fight the anxiety, in the attempt to get around it somehow, what you do is you, you still give it power because it's controlling you. It's, it's, it's making you try to find ways to ignore it. If you just simply said, I'm going to feel anxious, I know that, it's not going to hurt me. The anxiety is not going to hurt me. Yes, but, 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 but I feel like I'm going to choke. If you recognize that you're not going to choke, it's your anxiety that is creating the distress. There's no, there's no real danger there. So you simply accept that you will feel anxious when you drink that liquid. I feel anxious. But then what will happen over time is you'll basically rewire the connection. You will find, after repetition, that the fearful things didn't happen. Okay, but Dr. Ray, what if she does choke? Well, now, Reddy, she already, got to, she already has to establish that what, what she probably experienced was not choking. It was a coughing fit. We all have that. Sometimes you can cough on your own saliva. Have you ever noticed that? That somehow you, you breathe in and all of a sudden you start coughing like crazy and there was, there was no liquid in your mouth, but it was your saliva. Boy, Dr. Ray, you're really getting gross for lunch hour. First you got the kid doing that, and now you're talking about choking and saliva. So her best move on this is to, I don't want to say embrace the anxiety, but yeah, I mean, you could use that word. Embrace it. It's not anything that's going to hurt me. I will flow with it, kind of like a bullfighter just taking the cape and just kind of pulling it aside, rather than trying to challenge that bull. That bull is way too strong for you. So you pull the cape aside like that. Or when my dad, when I was 12 years old, tried to teach me judo, he said, Ray, you gotta, you got to go with the throw. Somebody throws you, you got to go with the throw so you, you fall in a certain way to, to break the momentum of the fall. You go with it. Or if somebody comes at you and pushes, you pull. You don't push back, you pull. You use his momentum. And it's the same thing with anxiety. You kind of just go with it. Now, that sounds counterintuitive, but it is probably the significantly best way to deal with almost any kind of irrational anxiety. To say, yeah, it's there. Yes. It's discomfort. It's not danger. It's distress. It's not danger. You do that, you strip it of an enormous amount of power. Trust me on that one. Relax. Don't be nervous. Dr. Ray. We'll return after these messages. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. 
Ave Maria mutual funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria mutual funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. After 14 years in business, my Chaldean news partners witnessed something I've kept under control for years. My temper. I lost it one afternoon. It stemmed from an issue two years earlier that had surfaced again. It wasn't anything they did, but knew those involved. It was personal and against me. I was livid and couldn't hide it. I didn't even try to. I had even forgotten my daughter was at the office that day and didn't pay attention to my tone of voice or language. My partners tried to defuse the situation, but soon realized there was nothing that was going to calm me down. It's been a long time since anyone or anything has angered me to that point. When I was telling my husband the story, my daughter chimed in. We all heard you in the office, Mom. My partners were shocked to see that side of me. We all slip up now and again, but I had to remind myself not to let the sun set on my anger and that it is through daily prayers that I'm able to tame my temper. This has been a Christ Center communication message. I'm Vanessa Denhagarmo, a communications evangelist. At His Feet uses theater to help audiences experience scripture in a fresh and powerful way. Through dramatic scenes, music, and reflection, encounter Jesus in His living word, a ministry ready to visit your church, convention, Advent, or Lenten event. At His Feet, a soaking in scripture, a chance to have your heart moved by the power of His love. Visit mctdramaministry.org or call 313-359-1736. Shrink wrap. Dr. Ray, you're just great. Ain't sharing no feelings, don't know where you're at. Can't hear what you're saying, just can't go with that. My inner child says he's stunned, uh huh. My grown up self says it's a no brainer, duh. Psycho rap, psycho rap. Ain't doing no babble, just can't go with that. Psycho rap, psycho rap. You hear what I'm saying? This ain't no shrink chat. Super ego is unconscious for sure. 40 in analysis, six grand or more. Head shrinking, mind blowing, brain lock, yes, the uh, hypnosis, neurosis, halitosis, uh huh. Primal scream, scary dream, bad scene, yeah. Kids a brat, made him sat, got a swat, wow. Time out, tune in, listen up, yo. Don't blame me if your kid's on the spring show. Psycho rap, psycho rap, ain't doing no babble, just can't go with that. Psycho rap, psycho rap, you hear what I'm saying, this ain't no shrink chat. Pavlov dog, does that ring a bell? Repression, depression, who can tell? Psychology, neurology, pathology, what? Therapy, sympathy, apathy, gut. ODD, ADD, PHE, I know all the letters of the alphabet C. PMS, IRF, EIEIO, there ain't no combinations, I don't know. Psycho rap, psycho rap, ain't doing no babble, just can't go with that. Psycho rap, psycho rap, you hear what I'm saying, this ain't no shrink cat. Oral stage, anal stage, life stage, yep. Oedipus, animus, maximus, stop. Reflect, deflect, reject, where it's at. I'm okay, you're okay, your kid could be a rat. Self-esteem, self-image, self is all. I am me and ego, you all. Assertiveness training, don't get in my way. The only real truth is what I say. Psycho rap, psycho rap, ain't doing no babble, just can't go with that. Psycho rap, psycho rap, you hear what I'm saying, this ain't no shrink cat. That was a well-plotted piece of non-claptrap that never made me want to rich. Man, this guy's into you. 
I wrote that probably I don't know how many years ago. <laughs> it was I always had fun writing parody songs and uh, that was something geez, I, you know according to my rule of double time how far back you think it was now I would say about 8 years ago but it was probably 16 years ago it has that what 1980s rap type style to it C.S. Lewis says this friendship is the greatest of worldly goods certainly to me it is a cheap happiness of life if I had to give a piece of advice to a young man about a place to live, I think I should say, sacrifice almost everything to live where you can be near your friends. And I'm going to add your family in that. He says, I know I'm very fortunate in that respect. When I was, how old would I have been? About 32. I had a potential job offer that would have, back then, back then, would have, I don't know, increased my income yearly by about eight times I was exactly what the guy wanted uh, psychologist experience in public speaking and he he apologized about the uh, the first year salary which was eight times what I was making he said it will go up rather dramatically after that and pretty much everybody was telling me oh come on go do it go do it for a year or two you come back with with million plus dollars now this was back then that's uh, you know, back back then when I was thirty, I mean, you you could buy a house for eight bucks. I didn't do it because it would have required me being on the road twenty to twenty five days a year, and I had friends that I so so much enjoyed. I, I played ball with them. My family was all there. My mom and dad were still alive. We didn't have any children yet, but I would be away from my wife. And I thought to myself, no amount of money, no matter how much, would be worth that. And many of my friends were saying, well, well you, you just only have to do it for a couple of years. That's all, just a couple of years. And I thought, even a couple of years away from everything that means so much to me, I couldn't do it. Well, yeah, but you'd be back. You'd be back here and there. Yeah, but I wouldn't be living my life on a day-to-day basis with the people that I care so much for. And that's the difference. Well, you were on the road anyway. Yes, but I chose when to be on the road. I worked it around other things. This would have been, I, I would have been at the call at all times of that particular professional group. And so for me, I, I, could, I could never imagine relocating from where I am now. Even though my parents are gone, to relocate would mean for me to pull up and leave everything that has meant so much to me all these decades. I just couldn't do it. And no amount of money could make me do it. And I remember back in the early days when there was a possibility of me having a national television show out of Chicago or something like that. I thought myself, even though that would have been a dream, I couldn't sacrifice moving to a city far away and giving up everything that uh, has meant so much to me. And now I'm too old. So it takes care of that. I don't have to worry about the temptation anymore. Thank you for joining me. This is Dr. Ray. Walk with God. And walk with your friends, too. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook and Instagram. 
The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.